You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Weekly Web Foot Review. We're excited about the Vegas Bowl, baby. The podcast that keeps you fresh with the latest happenings in the world of Oregon Ducks athletics. Oregon remains an extremely powerful national brand. Freddie and Luke and all the guys going back. Aaron, they've all had a big, big part of this. Now, here's your host. Our guys have done well in our approach, which is win the day. Jordan Schultz. Yeah, what a time to be alive right now. So much going on here in the Pacific Northwest. The Blazers getting to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 19 years. That's right. Also, Game of Thrones finally coming to an end after a decade. Yeah, lots going on. But we're here to talk Oregon Ducks. Welcome back to the weekly Webfoot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you. Make sure you subscribe Give the podcast a five-star rating if you like it. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe and download. I know we didn't have an episode last week, but uh, sorry about that. Unfortunately, it was because I was down for the count with strep throat. That's right. Got the whole dose of antibiotics. Actually finished them up today. And have you ever been so sick that you just had to lay in bed and really couldn't do anything? I'm telling you, I tried to play video games for like an hour. And my head couldn't even handle that. That was too painful. Doesn't that suck? I was home this week for three days. Stayed home from work. Just got to be to myself. And usually, you know, a dude would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play some video games. Just trying to relax, get rid of this cold, get rid of this sickness. Well, strep throat, not only was I not able to talk, but, well, I wasn't really able to do anything. <laughs> so feeling much better this week and able to talk ducks again. So let's get to it. And for the l- new listeners... This is a weekly podcast that covers Oregon football and basketball. We spend time breaking down the latest news, reacting to it, and trying to figure out where the Ducks go from there. And this week, so much to get to. To start, there is a lot more bad news for the men's basketball team. They're losing another player from their 2018 roster. I'll let you know who that is. Great news for the Lady Ducks, though. They have scored two more five-star recruits. I mean, I don't know about you, but that doesn't even seem like breaking news at this point. More elite players are deciding to join an elite program. It's that simple. But I'll tell you who they are and break down how they're going to help Oregon in the post-Sabrina Unescu era. They are commits for 2020, I should mention that. And on the football side of the coin, the news just keeps getting better and better. Also, 24-7 Sports released a great article that noted three concerns about Oregon football going into 2019. So we'll talk about those. We'll talk about how the Ducks can quell those fears as well. The expectations for Justin Herbert are very high going into this year. And I don't think it's too early to start asking this very important question. Can Justin live up to the hype? So we're going to answer that. And as always, we'll wrap up the weekly Webfoot review with This Week in Ducks History. 
This edition involves a couple of former Ducks. One who ended up coaching in the NFL actually passed away last week, and another played the role of hero in a very scary situation in the Portland area at a high school last week. So we'll talk about that. Definitely a full show. So let's dig right in into this evolving situation that is the men's basketball team. <laughs> so I guess I could start off with this question. Is there something in the water down in Eugene? The men's basketball team has been in flux ever since they were eliminated by Virginia in the Sweet 16 and the NCAA tournament. And it didn't get any better when six foot nine forward Kenny Wooten recently announcing that he officially will not be returning to the University of Oregon. <sighs> he, along with Peyton Pritchard, have been testing uh, the NBA draft waters and taking part in pre-draft workouts. Uh, Kenny Wooten, actually, neither of them invited to the Combine, but Kenny Wooten participated in the G League Elite Combine and apparently turned some heads. Uh, still, some scouts are saying that he lacks consistency uh, for the next level. Draft analyst Mike Schmitz was quoted in Oregon Live. He said that, uh, quote, some days he looks like an NBA player with his explosiveness and his shot blocking. We saw it in the NCAA tournament. Other days, I think he's not completely there in terms of being able to handle the physicality or make the necessary reads. I think becoming a smarter and tougher basketball player is going to help him. That's, that's Mike Schmitz quoted in the Oregon, uh, Oregonian or Oregon Live. So he's got potential, but needs to evolve into a complete and consistent player to be considered for an NBA rotation. So it sounds like Kenny is convinced that he has grown pretty much all he can as a college player and wants to kickstart his growth at the next level and chase the ultimate dream. Now, trust me, Duck fans, I, I, am, I am no expert NBA scout here, but... Kenny will most likely have to spend some time in the G League and continue to get better. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I guess this is the downside, at least for college teams, to the G League becoming more of a serious minor league feeder system to the NBA. I mean, if he can grab a spot on a professional team while able to make legit money, I can't fault the guy. I mean, back in the day, if you were in the D League trying to basically just grab a spot in a not very supported league financially and try and be noticed by an NBA team. That's basically what your option was. I mean, check this out with, with the transition from the D league to the G league uh, Gatorade sponsoring it, the G league G league players now make at least 35 grand for a five month season. And that's after being able to make only up to 25 before. And that, that was the top. And a lot of guys, I, I, I'm mentioning this for a reason, a lot of guys that spent time in the D-League, they made only about 13000 bucks. There were A designation players, B designation, and C designation. And I think the, uh, the top, the A designation salary got you twenty five grand. I think B got you around eighteen or nineteen, And a C-level designation, about 13000 bucks, which is around the poverty level. This, though, is what league execs had in mind. Giving guys on the fringe like Kenny Wooten, like, say, Peyton Pritchard, the chance to blossom and continue to grow and play while actually making a living and not hanging around college and just living on a scholarship. And if he doesn't end up in the NBA, 
all kinds of pro leagues are, are expanding and getting a lot more attention and financial backing around the world. I would think that he's going to find a spot somewhere. This will most likely allow him a chance at making a living playing basketball. For me, that's a win in my book. I, I know that he's going out early to try and get noticed by NBA scouts, but maybe he's going to have to work his way up. And it sounds like from where he was at at Oregon this year, I mean, he's already spent two seasons with Dana Altman and the University of Oregon. So if he looks back and decides, you know what, I've done all that I can here, I guess I can't fault him. Personally, I feel like he would have been a great addition to the Oregon 2019 basketball team with the returning Peyton Pritchard, with other recruits coming in, transfer Chris Duarte and others, but we're not going to get to see that. There is the potential to look better when you've got other good guys around, but it's his life and Kenny Wooten has made his decision. So Kenny officially not coming back to the University of Oregon. It's hard to keep up with all this in my book. So the Ducks are now losing seven total players. Let's try and figure this all out here. So losing Ehab Amin and Paul White, graduation, of course, they're losing Bull Bull. He's going to be a lottery pick, actually the only lottery pick from the University of Oregon this season, most likely. Lewis King looking to go possibly late first round right now, maybe early second is what we're hearing, but probably late first round for Lewis King. And now Kenny Wooten to the NBA draft. Also, Miles Norris and Victor Bailey transferring for whatever reason. The only guys returning at this point, like today, right now, are point guard Will Richardson, forward Francis Okoro, and backup guard Will Johnson. You might get Peyton Pritchard back, but you don't know for sure. He has until May 29th to officially decide if he's coming back or not. I want to assume he's coming back, but heck, I thought the same thing about Kenny Wooten. So I guess anything is possible. But in my opinion, Peyton is more of a smaller scoring-minded player that doesn't necessarily have the complete sense of a point guard yet. Not, not a passer, not, not somebody that can illustrate an offense, even in college, I don't think. I think he's really just a scorer. And he's not that big scorer that J.J. Redick or Jimmer Fredette was in college. So even though anything can happen, I, I do think that he'll be back. Hopefully. <laughs> the Ducks have been working hard, though, trying to fill the gaps. The, the recruits they have signed for 2019 are nothing to sneeze at, Duck fans. We've talked about them a bit already on the weekly Webfoot review. Uh, first, Juco transfer shooting guard Chris Duarte. He's joining the team, as well as Chandler Lawson, big kid. He's going to play the forward. And another forward, a five-star recruit in C.J. Walker. Also, I, I have to mention Duquesne transfer Eric Williams, uh, not quite eligible this year, but he is appealing to play. So there's a possibility that he could suit up for Oregon in 2019. But at this point, the Ducks are only looking at seven returning players or say eight if sophomore Luke Osborne comes back as a bench warmer. But to add to that, check this out. This happened in the last couple of weeks. Number two, junior college basketball prospect, Khalid Thomas announcing that he's going to leave Texas Tech after transferring from the College of Southern Idaho and wants to go through the recruiting process again. I mean, the Ducks badly need help on the wing after losing Lewis King and Kenny Wooten right now. Looks like Thomas is a six foot nine hybrid power forward, kind of a wing player. He was recruited by Oregon prior to his commitment to the Red Raiders. If you do follow Ducks news, you might recognize the name Khalid Thomas. 
I bet the Ducks are going to have a meeting, if they haven't already, and decide how they want to go after him again. He's already scheduled a visit to Eugene, so maybe they can score a much-needed wing-slash-forward for next year. But even if they do, they still need to fill about three more roster spots for 2019 for the men's basketball program. There is some good news, though, for the basketball program in total. The Lady Ducks grabbed commitments from two more elite prospects. That's right. The Lady Ducks absolutely killing it as far as recruiting goes this offseason. Already blowing people's expectations out of the water, getting to the Final Four this season. Sabrina Unescu coming back to play for her senior season, setting Oregon up for another run at the Final Four. Well, guess what, Duck fans? There are going to be a lot of great players following up Sabrina Unescu for the Lady Ducks at the University of Oregon. So first, Maddie Schur, a top 25 prospect committed to the Lady Ducks for 2020. She's a 5-foot, 11-inch wing player that really can play hard, rebound, and led her team to a state championship in high school this year. On top of that, she's the reigning Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year, so she's obviously really good. Also in the last week, another top 25 prospect, Kylie Watson, announced that she will join Oregon in 2020 as well. She'll be able to play on the block down low. She's a bit taller at 6'3", and she can make shots whether she's facing the basket or not. Really good back down player. Gosh, remember when Rasheed Wallace used to do that for the Portland Trailblazers? Got to say, an aspect of that for the Lady Ducks going forward would be pretty cool. Somebody that can get into the post and score whatever you need. If Kylie can be that player, it sounds like that she's going to be a key cog for Kelly Graves in Oregon going forward. She can also guard multiple positions and also won a championship for her high school last year. Kelly Graves getting two more five-star recruits to add to his already stellar roster that will take the court after Sabrina Unescu graduates. Watson and Schur join guards Sydney Parrish, Tahina Powpow, who we talked about on the last edition of the Weekly Webfoot Review, and forward Angela Dugalich in Oregon's talented recruiting class. And all but Dugalich are among the top 25 prospects in the nation. This is according to Prospect Nation. It's very rare for one program to have this many verbal commitments so early in the process. I mean, Oregon, they don't have anybody for a 2020 commitment yet. So, so there is so much excitement surrounding the Lady Ducks right now and regarding that team. They are setting themselves up with the potential to be a powerhouse for years to come. And I am so excited to see the Lady Ducks take the court next season. All right, we're going to switch gears to football. A surprise five-star defensive back transferred to Oregon. That story is next on episode five of the weekly Webfoot Review. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the weekly Webfoot Review. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode five from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. All right, switching gears to football now. Mario Cristobal and the Ducks are hot on the recruiting trail. I mean, hot. Lots of great news on the football side of things over the past couple of weeks. There's a surprising addition to the already stacked recruiting class for this season. Freshman defensive back Chris Steele announced on his Twitter account that he would be transferring to Oregon from the University of Florida. He originally signed with Florida back 
in late December, early January and spent spring camp with the Gators. He does have to apply for 2019 eligibility, though. So whether he will play for the Ducks or not next season does remain to be seen. Now, this is a pretty delicate situation. Uh, the reason that Chris Steele transferred to Oregon stems from a very disturbing story about a rejected dorm transfer. So Steele was originally rooming with another young Gators player, quarterback Jalen Jones, but requested a change shortly after enrolling back in January because he allegedly felt uncomfortable sharing a room with the quarterback. So Jones himself actually entered the transfer portal uh, in April. This was after being accused of sexual battery inside that residence by two different women. Steele and fellow freshman Jaden Hill actually allegedly walked in on one of the incidents. This is according to CBS Sports. The two quickly entered and left the room. The alleged victim told Jones to stop numerous times. When he did not, she was able to force him off of her and get away. Later that night, the other woman at the residence became upset with a disagreement from earlier in the evening after briefly consoling the second woman, Jones allegedly sexually assaulted her in the kitchen. The two women had rape kits completed at a local hospital, but both declined to press charges. And I do need to mention once again that these are just allegations. Though if Chris Steele felt strongly enough about not rooming with Jones you got to think that he most likely sensed that something was off about him after first meeting him. And obviously feeling even stronger about being in the same program with him even after that alleged attack that he walked in on. Just get me out is what Chris Steele said at that point. So what comes of this, and Jalen Jones was never charged, by the way, because those two women that did accuse him did not want to press charges if I didn't mention that. So so what comes of this is that Oregon gets a young player that they originally targeted back in December. If Chris Steele does gain eligibility, he'll make that DB position even deeper than it is. They got both their starting cornerbacks returning, but they really need to replace Ugo Amadi, and Chris Steele could be that guy to replace Amadi on the defense. Judging by the details of his exit, I wouldn't be surprised if he ultimately was granted eligibility to play in 2019. It sounds like he did the right thing by just leaving the program, but I don't even want to dive too much into that. That is just a terrible and disturbing situation that allegedly happened at the University of Florida. And those circumstances brought Chris Steele to the University of Oregon. Also, the Ducks scoring another big recruit in the last couple of weeks. Four-star quarterback Jay Butterfield verbally committed to Oregon back on May 10th. So this kid is a stud. He's the nation's number two rated pro-style passer right now and is already being heralded if he does develop right as a future top 10 draft pick. He's 6'6", 202 pounds, one of the highest rated quarterback commits in the history of the program. So now the Ducks have two legitimate contenders to start at quarterback after Justin Herbert leaves. Duck fans, can you imagine what the competition between Tyler Shuck and Jay Butterfield next spring is going to be like? 
it's going to be a key moment for the team going forward at the least. I'll tell you that. And I'm sure that this signing of Jay Butterfield is going to make Mario Cristobal and Marcus Arroyo sleep a bit easier at night, knowing the cupboard is stocked for the departure of Justin Herbert. I know it makes me sleep a bit easier at night. Exciting to see where the Ducks program is going from here. And another young center has scheduled a visit to Eugene. This is important uh, because the Ducks have four seniors on the offensive line right now. Four-star recruit Josh Fryer is going to come check out the U of O on May 28th. He's the number seven center in the nation and is definitely the right size. He's 6'5 and 294 pounds. I'm hoping they get this kid. Uh, they need to replace Jake Hansen after the year. So they need a highly talented recruit like Josh Fryer to come in and, and hopefully make that transition really smooth for whoever does win the job next year, Tyler Shuck or Jay Butterfield. And I mean, I, I got to mention, they do have Ryan Walk, a sophomore under Jake Hansen at the center position in the depth chart. So we'll see if there's a little competition going on in spring ball for the Ducks at the center position. If Josh Fryer does commit to the Ducks for next year. So yeah, Ducks fans, these are some exciting times for Oregon. The entire program being elevated by this championship level recruiting. All those weak spots on the roster, they at least seem to be just gone. Mario Cristobal has hit the recruiting trail hard. Gotten that SEC style coaching recruiting going on at the University of Oregon. Getting some of these big kids for the offensive line. I love it. Oregon's always been too small. They need to be fast, but big too. There is a way to do both. I truly believe that. So all the weak spots on the roster seem to be gone. And the defensive backfield will be full for years to come with Chris Steele coming over from Florida. And it is exciting even now to think about what the Ducks will do when they open their season against Auburn coming up on August 31st. And a little bit of news coming out about the opener. The Ducks are going to be playing Auburn to open the season in prime time. Oregon and Auburn will face off in the AdvoCare Classic from AT&T Stadium August 31st at 4.30 Pacific time on ABC. That's right there, the evening game that the nation gets to watch. I love that start time because that means that all those East Coast football fans get a rare chance to watch the Ducks. It grinds my gears that jerks on the East Coast refuse to acknowledge the success of West Coast teams sometimes simply because of geography and difference between the time zones. I mean, I get it. I, I was in Boston a few months back, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, during duck season, actually. And, well, it was tough because the Oregon game didn't start till like 9 p.m. So I, I do sympathize, but just because you play late doesn't mean you're not good, right? So Oregon gets to play against Auburn with the eyes of the nation upon them. Hopefully it will go better for them than their season opener against LSU back in 2011. If you forgot, they lost uh, 40 to 27. And hopefully it goes better than their national championship game against Auburn in 2011. You don't remember that one. The Ducks, of course, losing on a last second field goal. This will be their first matchup. These two teams meeting since that game, though. The Ducks and Tigers both expected to be ranked in a matchup that will feature arguably the best offensive and defensive lines in the country squaring off. Wow. Talk about being thrown into the fire. If the Ducks didn't have so many guys returning on both sides of the ball, then I think I'd be a little nervous. Speaking of being nervous, 24-7 sports. 
took a look at what the three biggest concerns are for Oregon's football team going into the 2019 season. The three biggest concerns, according to 27 Sports, for the Ducks going into the 2019 season. We'll break them down, talk about them, and see what they can fix before the season starts. So they are, number one, offensive play calling. Number two, a brutal road schedule. And number three, Justin Herbert's ability to command the offense. So first, offensive play calling. Duck fans, do you agree with this statement? This is one of the most complete rosters Oregon has had in some time. One more time. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? This is one of the most complete rosters Oregon has had in some time. Hit me up on Twitter. It's on the air, Jordan. Let me know. I know I've been changing my Twitter handle around, but this is it on the air, Jordan. That's what it is. And let me know. Jordan, J-O-R-D-O-N, by the way. So I do believe that statement is true, that this is one of the most complete rosters that Oregon has had in some time. On top of that, Oregon has the talent necessary to compete for a Pac-12 championship. And yes, I'm saying it, a potential college football playoff berth. But the offensive play calling, will that be a problem? Will that cast a shadow over Oregon's bright talent this season? Creativity. (laughs) Creativity is something that has been lacking in the last two seasons for the Ducks. Marcus Arroyo, for me, the offensive coordinator, hasn't shown much of an ability to adapt in the moment to what's going on. He stuck to his game plan too much last year. If you're a coach, you've got to be able to identify when you need to switch it up out there if you're Marcus Arroyo. Is he just terrible at getting into the flow of the game and being able to identify when he needs to change it up? Or was he being stubborn and just wanting to stick to his guns? Either way, if Oregon wants to win the Pac-12 and go to the college football playoff, which I think they have the capability to do, then the Ducks will need to be much better at thinking in the moment. Marcus Arroyo has to be ready to throw the playbook out, call an audible, see something in the defense, or Justin Herbert tells him something in the defense that they didn't see in the film room. They have to react when the defense forces their hand. Otherwise, they're just going to miss out on their chance this season at greatness. I truly truly believe that the Ducks are going places this season. So offensive play calling is going to be a concern, and Marcus Arroyo needs to step up, have some damn confidence in himself, maybe watch a little bit more film on the opponent that they're going to be facing the next week. You can't stick to your guns all the time, especially in the Pac-12. It's just not going to work. All right, number two, a brutal road schedule. So the Ducks were a completely different team on the road last year. Mistakes coming early and often against nearly every road opponent other than Cal and Oregon State. (laughs) In fact, those games, Cal and Oregon State, they were the only road victories for Oregon during the regular season. No, I do not count the Red Box Bowl win over Michigan State. A terrible win, by the way. They barely scored. I don't count that as a road win. It's a bowl game. It's different. So there are three Pac-12 losses actually coming against Washington State, obviously, if you remember last year, Arizona and Utah. Those combined scores, 111 to 60. Ouch. The Ducks have an early test with that Auburn game in Dallas to open the year. So I guess we'll see exactly how well this team can deal with adversity this year. 
Add a new defensive coordinator and Andy Avalos to the mix, and you've got a reason to ask this question uh, about the Rose schedule last year and about the defense. What gives me hope about 2019 is the experience that all these kids are returning with. The defense gets to keep both of its starters at cornerback. Troy Dye, who led the team in tackles, returns this year. Javon Holland, the team leader in interceptions, also comes back. The leadership group, especially on the defensive end, is intact. So while questions exist about the defense's ability to play at an elite level, I truly believe the answers are there. And personally, I think Andy Avalos will fit in just fine at Oregon. This is the kind of job he's been gunning for his entire life, working his way up the ladder, getting to Boise State. He wanted to move to a Power 5 school after that. And now it's his chance to show Mario Cristobal and the world that the Ducks made the right hire. He's got some fire under his butt for this season, and I think fans are going to see that when they see the Ducks take the field. And the third biggest concern for the 2019 season for the Oregon Ducks, will Justin Herbert command the offense? Justin Herbert has looked absolutely amazing at times. He's also had moments where he makes mistakes and makes a bad throw, turns into a pick, or looks like he has no command of the offense, especially at the beginning of games. You can't come out already punched in the throat. You got to come out ready to go. Sure, he knows the playbook inside out, but can he live up to the expectations for his senior season? We'll take a deep dive into that question and all the expectations surrounding Justin Herbert. Is it too early to start the whispers about the college football playoff? You heard me say it earlier. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Coming up on the weekly web foot review, episode five, with Jordan Schultz sitting in with you from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the Weekly Web Foot Review. It's episode five. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. We're talking expectations for the Oregon Ducks 2019 season and expectations for Justin Herbert. I mean, I'll put it bluntly. The expectations for the 2019 football team are high right now. They've been in the top 15 in a few preseason polls and are a near consensus pick to win the Pac-12 going into this season. Justin Herbert himself is already being projected to be a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft, uh, most likely going to be taken right after Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. So I and quite a few others are banking on his success for next year. And why not? He's shown growth as a player every single season, and he's gotten better at finding the right throw to make. He's not perfect, but he is getting better. And that will make every coach out there love him and appreciate what he brings to the table. He's already got the body of an NFL quarterback. He gets around smaller guys on defense fairly easily and picks up those extra yards doing it. His size, though, doesn't limit his ability to run. And, of course, last but certainly not least, the rocket arm that he has. Justin Herbert's ability to throw the deep ball with accuracy really sets him apart from a lot of other quarterbacks, and it does limit defenses at times. Heck, he's already getting buzzed as a Heisman Trophy candidate, but can he live up to everyone's expectations? Can he live up to the hopes that Oregon can get back to the national championship? There are some downsides to his game. He doesn't do so well under a blitz or pressure from the defense. 
actually at points last season when that happened, he would just panic and try to slip the ball between two defenders and try to make that perfect throw. That's what I'm talking about. He, he is learning how to make the right throws or finding the right throw to make, but he's still not there yet. He has gotten better, but he is not at an elite NFL level yet as far as being able to read a defense. Personally, I don't even think from last year's results that he was at an elite college level of the ability to read defenses. I just don't think that he did it very well at times last year. So all in all, he needs to spend more time in the film room learning about defenses and hopefully evolve into a leader this year. He needs to be the guy that coaches and players can fall back on. That guy that you just trust. You know they're going to be there to get it done. The first quarter, the fourth quarter, whatever. He's got to be a stud on the road. He's got to come out ready to go. Every single game. The 2019 season really comes down to one thing and one thing only. Justin Herbert's talent. If he's at a Heisman level, then Oregon's headed to the college football playoff. You heard it right here. If not, it's the chicken of the sea bowl in Timbuktu for the Oregon Ducks. And no, that there isn't a bowl like that. But my point is they'll be going to some obscure bowl somewhere and we'll be cheering about an eight win duck season. Yay. No, th this last year in 2018. Yeah. An eight, nine win season. Sure. That was a win for me with Mario Cristobal trying to establish himself as the Oregon Ducks head coach this year coming up. No, eight, nine wins. Not good enough. Your team's better than that. I don't care how long or short of a time that Mario Cristobal has been there. I don't care that you got a new defensive coordinator. Even if they didn't get to the national championship, they have the talent and the level of players to get to a very good bowl game. All right, it's time for my favorite part of the show every week, this week in Ducks history. It's time devoted to highlighting a big event that's happened in Ducks athletics or paying respect to former Ducks and their accomplishments. And this week, we're talking about two former Ducks that were in the news. First, we'll start off with the sad news. You might recognize this name, Gunther Cunningham, a former Ducks player, coach, and NFL head coach at a time, passed away at the age of 72. Cunningham died in Detroit on May 11th, where he had served as defensive coordinator for the Lions and a senior coaching assistant before retiring in 2016. Interestingly, he was actually born in Germany to an American serviceman dad and a German mother before moving to the U.S. at age 10. Ended up playing at Oregon as a linebacker and then coached the Ducks, their defensive line, from 1969 until 71. He went on to coach at Arkansas, Stanford, Cal. Also was with Hamilton in the CFL, Canadian Football League. He then got his first NFL coaching job with the Baltimore Colts. And Cunningham eventually went on to become one of the most aggressive defensive coaches in the league and had a very successful reputation. Worked with the Chargers, the Raiders, ended up in Kansas City after that. He was an integral part of Marty Schottenheimer's best teams when he was the Chiefs defensive coordinator and got the head coaching job when Schottenheimer resigned back in 1998 or after that season. He went 9-7 and seven in his first year and then 7-9 and nine in his second, and that one head coaching stint ended up ending on a sour note. Apparently, Gunther Cunningham claimed he was never told by management that he'd been fired, apparently learned it from reporters when he had arrived to the facility in the morning. Are you kidding me? That sucks. You gotta do guys better than that. 
Cunningham spent some time with the Titans before Dick Vermeil actually lured him back to the Chiefs and then spending the rest of his career after that with the Lions. Rest in peace, former Duck Gunther Cunningham, dead at the age of 72. There's really no way to transition uh, between one person and another, so I'll just go uh, to this next one. Now the good news, uh, former Oregon Ducks wide receiver Keenan Lowe played the role of hero last week. So he's currently the head football coach at Park Rose High in Portland, and a very scary situation unfolded there. There was a student with a gun, a shotgun, that walked into a classroom. And apparently Keenan Lowe had actually been asked to go find this student and just show how ha- just so happened to show up in the classroom when he wasn't there before the kid himself then appeared. Then Keenan jumped into action and was immediately able to tackle and disarm this kid, saving his life and the lives of everyone else at Park Rose High School. Take a listen to Keenan Lowe himself describing what happened. So I walk walk in the building and go to this classroom. Ask for a kid, um, and they, the teacher looks around, the students look around. No, he's not here. I'm in the classroom for however long it takes to ask that question, so yeah. 15, 20 seconds. Okay. And then all of a sudden, um, the door opens, and I'm, I'm within arm's length of the door. I'm right inside the door. Um, the door opens, and there's a, you know, there's a, young, there's a young man with a, with a shotgun. Um, you know, as crazy as that you know, s- sounds when I say it, it still yeah. feels very you know, weird to say that, but a young man with, with a gun opened the door and, um, you know, everything happened so fast. Um, again, he didn't know I was right in that door. He didn't know I was in that classroom. It just so happened I was in there. Um, you know, and as soon as he opens that door, you know, it it went like, you know, it was a fraction of a second, but I analyzed everything real quick, you know, looked at his face, saw his facial expression, looked at the gun. Is that a real gun? Is that a gun? Uh. You know what I mean? And, you know, as fast as, you know, basically as soon as he opened that door, I see him and then I lunge for that gun wow. and have two, I put two hands on that gun. And then at that point, everybody's, you know, screaming, running out the back of the classroom. There's two doors in that room, okay. thankfully. Um, oh, wow. So everyone's running out the back screaming and I'm in a wrestling match over a shotgun with a, with a young man inside a, inside a school. Thankfully, he was in that classroom and was able to stop that situation from turning into something truly awful, uh, truly tragic. He was a great football player, too. Racked up almost 900 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns during his time at Oregon and obviously an even better person. I mean, how would you react in that situation? Keenan Lowe saved lives last week. And now there are hundreds, if not thousands of parents that have him to thank. It's always nice to end our podcast with a really cool story. So definitely wanted to do that this week. And that's it for episode five of the weekly Webfoot Review. I'll be here all summer previewing the Ducks football season. We'll, of course, keep up to date with what's going on recruiting-wise for the lady and men's basketball teams for the Oregon Ducks. And we're going to break down all of the Ducks' upcoming opponents for their 2019 football season. You'll hear from some of the best college football and basketball minds about what's going on in Eugene. Well, enjoy your Memorial Day festivities, Ducks fans, and be sure to subscribe. Give the show a five-star rating if you like it. If you have ideas for topics, please tweet at me on the Air Jordan with an O, J-O-R-D-O-N. Things that you want to hear me talk about. If you have any burning questions about the Oregon Ducks that you want an answer to, we'll find it together. 
All right, this has been episode five of the weekly Webfoot Review. Thanks for listening, Oregon fans. I'll talk to you next week. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Go Ducks, baby! Go Ducks!